Welcome to Treasure Valley Podcast. I'm Chuck. Today's episode is brought to you by Lower Gentry Studios. Lower Gentry Studios has a web series that's called Canyon County that is definitely worth watching. The first episode is available right now. It's about 10 minutes long. Episodes two through nine will be coming out later this year. Like and subscribe to get those updates. Today, I sit down with Todd Dunnigan of Afrosonics. Afrosonics is a band that will be featured this year at Tree Fort. It's a Treasure Valley band. They are a lot of fun to listen to. They're a lot of fun to see live. You should check them out. We don't know what time they're going to be playing just yet and what day, but uh, like and subscribe to their social media. Check them out on Spotify and keep yourself in the loop and enjoy the podcast. We shall come together. Know that they are brothers. And your sisters too. Welcome, Todd. Uh, thanks for coming on and uh, to Man, chat about your music. Thanks for having us. I love that uh, I love that you're doing this. Sweet. Thanks. Um, Afrosonics. Afrosonics. How long have you guys been in a group? Uh, they started off as a, just kind of a reggae cover band called United Roots about six years ago, and then just kind of as members changed and, and there's turnover in the band, uh, it sort of morphed into Afrosonics. The current Afrosonics lineup is probably like two years old, two, two and a half years old. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, been a band six, seven years or so. Okay. And you guys uh, play Treasure Valley. We play Treasure Valley. Well, we where else have you gone? Northwest. You okay, know, we've hit uh, all the big Northwest play. You know, Seattle, Spokane, Portland, and then over into like Missoula, Helena, Bozeman. You know, Boise, of course, McCall. So yeah, we're 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 spreading the tentacles out to the Northwest. Last summer we did our first tour ever. Oh, cool! And uh, and then this. Or, I'm sorry, summer before last week, our first two ever. Then this summer, we expanded on that tour. And then hopefully next summer, uh, or this upcoming summer, we want to get down to California. That's the next goal is right to on. work the I-5, you know, start Seattle, and then maybe play down to L.A. along the I-5. Cool. How's, so, how's the uh, turnout out of town? Really good. I, and I'm, I'm shocked because, you know, your first gigs out of town are almost always throwaways just because it's like you got to get into a club on a Monday night or something to just oh, let yeah. them see you to see that you have something to offer. Because, of course, there's 80 billion bands out there and they're all trying to <laughs> gun in for the dates. And so you got to sort of prove yourself at least to the, you know, the club owner or whoever that, hey, you know, this is a quality band or whatever. But we've been really fortunate. We've uh, gotten really good crowds first time at most places that we play. And we do, we work the like Facebook advertising and, mm-hmm. and things like that. We work pretty hard to promote, but uh, we've been really lucky. And we also, the Afrosonics are a very good band for a live after five types of events. And so we will seek out the live after five in Billings or okay. you know, Helena or you know Coeur d'Alene or something and try and play that because there's a built-in crowd there. Yeah, you know there's already guaranteed going to be four or five hundred people there. So we love playing those because uh, uh, we we feel like uh, you know if we can get in front of a crowd we can win them over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, it's hard to get people off their couch just for something called Afrosonics. I don't know. Is that fun? I, there's, you know, I'm binge watching Making a Murderer. I don't have time, you know. To go <laughs> that's see a, a new that's band. a constant battle. Yeah, that's a constant battle. It I is. bet. Um, yeah. It, yeah, my brother and I do film stuff, and so we're we're always trying to like push our our 
material up to the top of the the heap of of uh, <laughs> what's it, uh, what's the name of that band? Uh, Arcade Fire did in their latest album. They had a song called Infinite Content. I don't know if you're yeah. <laughs> well, that's what it seems like. I mean, yeah. There's just uh, and I think I think it's great. You know, mm-hmm. content quality content can be made by a one guy in his bedroom. You know, whether it be you know an album or a film or whatever his thing is, uh, and it can you know. In the 80s, if you say a guy made a film in his bedroom, you're like, Ugh, that's going to be, be horrible. Yeah. You know, Nowadays, guy made it in his bedroom could be the next Citizen Kane. We yeah. don't know. You know? Totally. So. And, and the music scene, that's got to be – this has to be an interesting time to be to be playing. The yeah. last time I was actively in a band was, was probably um, about – 15 years ago mm-hmm. and it was definitely a lot different i feel like now uh with the computer technology and and the sound and you play keyboard right and uh i just recently got a midi uh input and it's just amazing oh, the yeah. stuff that you can do by yourself exactly that. i had a i had a loop station on my when those first came out on my guitar and it like blew my mind right. you know <laughs> and, then, and now it's just like a completely different scene yeah i started in the in the Late '80s, early '90s, I had a, a recording studio called Audio Lab. I would say actually, it's still going. Oh, okay. Uh, but I did that for ten and twelve years or so, and the, the, I remember. So when we opened the Audio Lab, and I think 1990, uh, it would take. It would take 10 studios full of the kind of gear that we had to match what's in your laptop right now. Oh, you know? yeah. And I mean, what comes standard on your laptop. I don't mean just like the stuff you buy, just you buy a laptop out of the box, stuff you can download from the internet is so far beyond the roomfuls of gear that we had uh, back then. So, I mean, it, it's a good time. And I also feel like you think, oh man, there's so much content, so much content, it's hard to be heard. But I also feel like the cream rises to the top. Yeah. And I feel like it rises to the top easier when there's a sea of crap for it to sit on top of. And I don't, uh, I don't want to put down <laughs> other people's creativity. Uh, that that, but you know, there's a lot of people putting out content who are just kind of learning. And so, yeah, you know, the the stuff they're making now is not as good as the stuff they're going to be making next year. But it still goes out there. Yeah. Um, uh, working towards those yeah. 10,000 hours. Yeah, honestly. And the way we did it back, you know, back in the day, you know, because I'm an old guy, back in the day, you didn't have the option to just put out every every thought, every demo, everything that, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the avenues just weren't there. You know, you worked on your songs in the practice to eventually make this album, which was going to cost you a ton of money to make the album. And then, of course, press it up and put it out. And so not a you know, there weren't a ton of people doing it. You had to be super dedicated to getting that album out there. Now you just, yeah, whip it together in your bedroom, load it up on Spotify, and it's worldwide. Yeah. You know? so. How does how does that work? I'm curious about Spotify because I found your album. Yeah. I, I pay for Spotify. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, pretty amazing as far as like me as a consumer. Right. I don't know how it works on the artist end. I'm sure if, if I'm paying ten bucks a month, it's not like they're <laughs> paying a whole lot of money out to artists are. Artists are very as some I shouldn't say some artists are super incensed about Spotify because mm-hmm. um, they'll see their statement and uh, and if you want to break it down to the cent okay that play you know someone in the UK played my song and I got point zero 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 one cent for that play <laughs> <laughs> takes a whole what did I read Mariah Carey had the most plays in one day ever she set the Spotify record and I think oh. it was eleven million plays for. Uh, Christmas that Christmas song is escapes me right now. Okay, uh, and that 
that turned out to be about 90,000 bucks. You know, oh wow. 11 million plays turned into 90,000 bucks. But uh and so people complain, "Oh, you know, we're being ripped off and stuff and this and that, but they're you know, Spotify is kind of like the new radio, and when radio was a thing, it was hard to get credit for your plays. You had to get so many plays to be noticed among, you know, Michael Jackson getting plays and Nirvana mm-hmm. getting plays and everything else. You had to get so many plays just to get into the game. And then once you did, the radio paid about that same rate. You know, if you got played on the radio in Poughkeepsie, you probably got 0.001 cent for that play if it mm. was on the radio. So I don't see a huge difference. Um, I, I don't know. It's, Musicians it's, need stuff to bitch about. <laughs> I, th- I think it's just the ongoing plight of the artist is trying right. to, to get enough money to to make yeah. it your living. Which it really is. And, you know, I, at this point in Afrosan's career, it's like, I don't care about the point zero zero one cents. I just care about someone hearing the music. Yeah. Know? We'll work the money thing later once we get enough people liking the music and then get clever as far as how you can leverage exactly. that Run, yeah once we have a, a big audience to work with then yeah uh, we can figure out how to you know s- sell them a vinyl sell them a t-shirt or some other type of thing that's the game nowadays mm-hmm. you know it used to be you would put out your album and the only way for people to hear your music was to have that actual album and so that was the thing now of course that's not a thing anymore yeah you, have, you don't have to have that physical thing for people to um to hear your music. So just got to find other physical things to sell them, you know, get the music hooked on what you're, what you're about, yeah. you know, and what your vibe is. And then, you know, try and uh, move them into selling something based on that. And of course, the, you know, live shows are still king when it comes to oh, making bet. money. And what is, what would you say Afrosonics is about? I'm curious. Cause you mentioned that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're definitely about trying to keep, uh, you know, positive vibes. That would be first and foremost type of thing. We, we don't, you know, we're not a band that's going to come out and be like, I hate my dad. I hate my, you know, you're never, you're never going to hear <laughs> it anything. It kind of wouldn't, those lyrics wouldn't go with the rhythms that you have, yeah. and at least from what I've heard. <laughs> right. Yeah. Some other bands I play with, that would be totally appropriate. Mm-hmm. And there's, and there's certainly a place for that. And there's, that should be out there. Uh, but we're just all about trying to keep it positive. We're just like, Hey man, everybody love each other. Let's, uh, let's create some rhythm so we can all vibe together. And, um, and multiculturalism is a big uh, pillar that holds up the Afros- Afrosonics too, because we have uh, uh, members from you know, three continents. There's probably seven or eight languages spoke amongst the different people in oh. the band, and uh, and so we're definitely about one world. You, you know, the guy that's you know the guy that's all the way on the other side of the world in Africa, maybe out in the middle of, middle of nowhere, is really not that different than us living here in Boise, Idaho. We kind of have the same motivations. We want to we want to eat, want to mm-hmm. sleep, want to have sex. We want to do something fulfilling with our days. You know, motivations are roughly the same. Yeah. You know, the way we dress it up is different, but uh so that's that's yeah, the multiculturalism is a is definitely a big thing. So positive multiculturalism if you want to put it into a catchphrase. Yeah, and how would you describe your your music for people that are listening to this podcast yeah. right now? Well, we like to. And do you, I, maybe I can grab a track and chuck it on at the beginning. Oh of, yeah, absolutely. Like I hope uh, I hope you okay. have a chance to throw in a track or two over the course of this. But um, um, we like to think of our music as kind of a stew, in that uh, everyone is bringing their ingredient from their background and where they came from and putting their ingredient into the stew, and then we stir it all together. So you'll have, 
we'll have uh, you know some African rhythm that's just from deep in the heart of Africa and then screaming rock guitar over the top of that. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I really like electronic music. So you heavy, maybe on the electronics underneath that. And so, and then stir it up. And that's how we come up with Afrosonics music. That, that's pretty slick. <laughs> no, I definitely could hear that and, and people meet your people uh, yeah. for sure. That was, yeah. So a little blast of funk, a little blast of electronics. Uh, you know, the vocals are definitely from the old school, of funk um that's one of our more straight funky tracks uh then a song like i mojuba which is in the yoruba language which our lead singer dio is from nigeria and you know so he grew up speaking yoruba mm -hmm. and so the i mojuba is um it's just a phrase that means sort of it's a, like a greeting peace to you that type of thing and so it's it's cool to incorporate those things into the music too because then you know me, from a kid from North Idaho, I get to learn something about Dio's culture or, you know, Katima, our Congo player who was uh, from Congo Brazzaville. He was actually, he, he's a soccer player. He played in the World Cup. He was oh, on wow. a team that played in the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. I keep, I just found this out. I've been in a band with him for three years. Just found this out a few months ago. It's like, how did we just find it? I feel like that should be uh, the first thing we tell about Afrosonics. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we have a World Cup soccer player in our band. That's pretty but, wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, I think I made my point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely agree that you've uh, come up with a good synopsis after having listened to the People Meet Your People a few times this week. Um, I really focused in on it. Um, and I like the, I'm really into to percussion and yeah. rhythm. And uh, you guys nail that, right. I think, on your album. And it's 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 complicated. It would be very difficult, I think, to play some of those those rhythmic parts <laughs> if you're not uh, decent uh, at your instrument. Right. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's true. It, yeah. I it's mean, not bass bass snare on the on the one and the three. <laughs> right. Yeah. And most times we will probably have at least three people playing percussion on stage, and sometimes up to five. Oh, cool. And, and Ben Ben, our drummer, even though he's uh, you know he's white kid from Idaho. I mean, African rhythms were just like his thing. He studied it in college. And oh, cool. So uh, he's he's definitely well versed in that in that style and a great rock drummer as well when he needs to rock it out and what about improv for you guys do you guys do a lot of i just imagine that you probably do a lot of improvisation we do um probably not as much as we i feel like as a band we should spend more time especially at practice just jamming and improving. but it's it's a large band it's That's hard gotta to be, be tough yeah, it's hard to get together uh, people together to practice and so our practice time is pretty precious so when practice time comes we're usually like okay here's the song we got it mostly kind of worked out you just need to know your part and let's you know re work on refining it and practicing together live more improv -y stuff kind of comes out because something will just happen and we'll mm -hmm. take off on a jam and i i wish we'd do more of it uh but um and, and in the future that will that will come about more but right now, just for our limited time, we kind of have to have the songs in a pretty finished state before we even um, start working on them as a band. So do you, um, when you write, uh, do you just sit down with 
another band member kind of come up with the structure of the song and then give everybody their parts then when you get together or how does mostly, that work? Yeah, mostly. Mostly I will um, I will come up with an instrumental type of thing that I like and then I'll get together with Dio and Dio will has this big book of lyrics and so he'll start pulling out lyrics and, oh, and then cool. so me and him will just sit there and kind of book of lyrics is a yeah, really good idea. Yeah, just look at lyrics and then kind of sing phrases and kind of go stream of consciousness till we find things that we like. And then um, then we'll record our vocals onto that demo and then we can at that point send it out to the band just like here's you know here's the song it's like 70 percent there so learn this part but don't be married to it if uh you know bass player if you got a if you got an idea to improve this bass line great you know bass is your realm and uh take take it and run with it uh but for the sake of practice know this line when we get to practice so we can use this as a launching point I suppose that's got to be really nice uh, as far as the changes in technology to oh. be able to to record a song that you just wrote yeah. 20 minutes ago and then send it out to Absolutely. everybody. And just the, the so many great things like, uh, okay, we're at rehearsal and, and now we've worked this song. We kind of rearranged it and moved some parts around, set up the phone, record it, you know, go to the, the text list, boom, everybody has the recording right then. It's amazing, you know. So they can t- everyone can take it home and listen to it, and because it, man, it used to be, especially if you have nine people in the band, yeah. you know, you got to record some crappy cassette, and then you got to find out how to make nine copies of the cassette, and then get them to everybody. <laughs> and now it's just plink, 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 upload it. It's out there. Yeah. That's like love it. That's like yeah. so. Um, playing, playing here locally. Um, do you have a pl- favorite place to play? I was going to ask you about venues and shows that you've done, and, yeah, and things that you guys where you've really hit it off, if you have any stories uh, there. Oh, uh, sure. Uh, my favorite place to play in Boise is definitely El Cora Shrine. Um, okay. It's just, you know, it's a great stage. It's a perfect size room, and it sounds good in there. And, uh, yeah, love, love playing there with any band. <laughs> That's, uh, but Afrosonic, man, we had, a, we had a stellar set there for Tree Fort last year. Um, and so, yeah, love playing there. Uh, <clears throat> and I'll, oh, I'll also like to do this whenever we can. Like one of the fun things from our live shows is uh, uh, we will we will enter from the back of the room. You know, like the horn players will have their horns. Everyone will be holding some percussion, but we'll, you know, all the crowd is up there on the stage waiting for them to come on stage. But we'll come in from the back of the room, you know, just oh, singing nice. with percussion and, and just march right through the middle of the crowd. And if it's a good crowd, we might form a circle and just sit there and jam percussion for a few minutes and just get everybody super into it that way and then march up onto the stage and then... You know, then the set begins from that point. But that's, you know, it's really fun to start off the set in amongst the people because that's, that's how we want them to see us. It's like we're not, we're not so much a band on stage that's here to entertain you. We're here to try to create a vibe that fills this whole room and brings us all together. So, what is it about percussion that allows it, to, yeah, that to, I think it's to your work. heartbeat? You know, it's just, yeah, it, it goes along with your heartbeat. You, your, your body works to a rhythm. You know, we're sitting here right now. Your heart is probably on a pretty steady tun-tun, tun-tun, tun-tun. And uh, so just everything in life is kind of based on rhythm. You know, we're, uh, as humans, we're we're drawn to patterns. We're drawn to, uh, uh, you know, rhythms. In nature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, you find them everywhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, uh, and I think we're really drawn to that. The, The... 
what is what's the word I'm looking? Maybe the order or something feels good. Yeah. You know, and uh, rhythm is one of those things when it just makes you feel good. <laughs> so that's slick. So yeah. so Core Shrine's your favorite. Do you have a do you have a show a story of a show that you've done here locally that where you, I mean obviously you, yeah you, you like that Core Shrine, but what was it about that? Yeah the. I, I think yeah, last year's Tree Ford set at El Cora just I think really uh, we achieved what we wanted in a big way and just as far as like I said, you know, we're we're out here to throw out our rhythm and our positivity to the audience. We want to wrap everybody up in it. And that was one of the times where it just felt like that really worked. I just I really felt like I was connected to that person in the back of the room. There was just there was a feeling and a vibe in the room, and I just felt like this is, you know, this is the apex of what we do live, and uh, and and that it's what we try to do at every show. Some shows successful, most shows successful actually. You know, yeah. Some shows not, and and frequently, like I I love playing to sometimes where there's more people in the band uh, <laughs> than there are in the audience. <laughs> Sometimes I love that feeling of, uh, I, you know, I've been to so many bands over the years and for a lot of bands, that just seems like such a defeat. You know, like, oh yeah. man, we got to go up here and play to four people. <laughs> and this is terrible. And I think, no, man, these four people came out. They deserve the same show that if 4,000 people showed up. They bothered to come, so let's do it. And sometimes we've just had the best time uh, oh yeah! Last uh, summer in Colorado Springs, we just had a. It, this show was a cluster F from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we show up to the venue, and it's a it's a big, beautiful venue and a big stage, nice PA systems, and they're like, "Did you guys bring any mics and stands?" Oh <laughs> no! Well, no. I mean, <laughs> you guys said you had a PA. <laughs> And part of having a PA is having mics and stands. That constitutes, if you don't have mics and stands, then you don't quite have a PA. You yeah. have part of a PA. And, uh, and so we just had to That's rush funny. to Guitar Center, and we bought mics and stands and cables and everything. And just, and <laughs> this sound guy, I he... He was definitely indulging in some Colorado green. Okay. I saw him six times walking back and forth trying to figure out what is wrong with this mic. And I went over and I picked up the cord, wasn't even plugged in. Yeah. It was like, this dude is just walking around in a circle. So, but you know, we're like, we're not going to let that break our spirit. We're just going to help this guy out. Everyone, all hands on deck. Let's get this stuff plugged in. Let's get these mics set up. And uh, we're still going to do a good show. And yeah, doors open and. You know, four people come in. And like, okay, you know, it's it's a rough start. Let's maybe give it fifteen twenty minutes, and yeah, it was clear no one else was coming. So, man, we hit the stage, and you know, just hey, everybody, all four. There's like seven people at this point. Let's all pull in. We're all in this together. Let's have a good time together. If you want to come and hang out on stage, if you play an instrument, come on up, play some percussion with us. And we ended up having the best time with these people. And those seven people became just like super fans. They're like yeah. disciples for the band now. Cool. And uh, so. And uh, you never know when something might like that might go viral on yeah. the internet and all of a sudden you get a huge response out of. Exactly. Yeah, somebody's well, recording your show for six people or whatever. Yeah. One like, of the guys there that night, you know, he had, had a, um, a, a radio show on the college radio station. And so, of course, he started spinning us like crazy. Mm -hmm. That's. It's a great point. You never know who's out there. So it's always good to give 
it's always good to give 100 percent yeah don't, don't let the fact that no one showed up stop you from giving 100 percent. your your music the people who showed up deserve your best your music deserves your best the rest of your band deserves your best and sometimes if it takes off at least i mean i've i've played uh in front of people on in a handful of occasions and then they're in groups where you know it is really disappointing at first when there's no crowd there but then when you settle into it it's like oh i'm the nerves are less and then you're like oh i feel like i can take some risks now yeah. with what's going on with the performance like you said just bringing random people up on stage and right. you you never know what might happen and, and sure. sometimes you come up with some really good ideas because you're not concentrating so much on playing the riff correctly or making sure that you're executing the song correctly you're just more you're in, in the, the moment in more. that moment yeah for which sure is, which is super cool do you do you have a dream venue that sounds like a really cool uh, place that you played in colorado springs oh, yeah as far as yeah. <laughs> oh my dream venue uh madison square garden all oh, right on yeah i want to sell it out <laughs> it's a dream that's why it's a dream <laughs> probably it's not gonna happen but you know gotta have goals man yeah you know? yeah what kind of what groups even sell out Madison Square Garden nowadays. Oh man, you Coldplay, know, probably sure, Coldplay probably. Uh, uh, who was there? Re- who did? Oh, like Billy Joel did fifty nights, sold out fifty nights. Oh wow. You know? um, who uh, LCD Sound System did it like a sort of reunion, sold it out. I, you know, I, I don't know if it's that big a venue. I think it's only probably fourteen to fifteen thousand seats. Probably no, not oh, okay. that much bigger than the Idaho Center. Oh okay, uh, but. It's just like it's one of those things. It's, it's in New York. It's Madison's, got this rep. Yeah, it's Madison Square Garden. Have you ever been there? I never have. Neither have I. Yeah. It'd just be one of those things, really cool thing to say you did. Or, you know, Lincoln Center in Washington, DC. That would be an amazing thing oh, to yeah. be able to say. Yeah, we we played the Lincoln Center. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and uh, so you guys are looking at trying to expand into California. Yes. No. And uh how how does that work for a group of your size as far as going on? Man, getting getting your tours set up because I was talking to to Nick uh, Delfs the other day and he's just like, well, you just kind of just go. He was telling me how he just kind of impromptu just started yeah. going around and playing music. Nick Nick yeah has that option because he's such great as as a solo artist that mm. you know he can do that. He can just show up. He can just set up on the That's street true. and probably make money. Yeah, but you got nine people. Yeah, for us it's just it's a matter of emailing. You do your research. You find out. Okay, um, you know we have. You just like set your anchor dates. We have this Tuesday in Portland, and then mm-hmm. we got to be in San Francisco on Friday. So that leaves us uh, Wednesday, Thursday. What's in between Portland and San Francisco? And then you start looking, okay, there's Eugene, there's Medford, there's Klamath Falls, there's oh. Davis, California, Sacramento. Start looking at all those cities and then just getting online. Where does Where does a band like ours play in Sacramento? You know, and then... Start doing your research, and then you start hammering the emails. And Dang. that's the that's the way it's done. Bookers don't like to take calls anymore. Uh, emails, that's it's all done by that way. And um, you you have to find the right balance between persistent and not being you know, <laughs> annoying. Yeah, yeah. Um, if anybody, you know, anyone is listening that's in a band, a couple of pieces of advice I would give is the subject line. Is really important to put your band name, the date you're looking at being there, and um, um, what what your sound is. You know. Oh, okay. So you know, I would go like you know, Afrosonics, looking for March twenty second or twenty third, African funk, 
positive uh, multicultural. And that, yeah. so you're basically trying to get the entire email in the <laughs> subject <laughs> line so kind people of. can just scroll through yeah. it. Because, uh, yeah, because, you know, these guys are getting uh, emails. I was sitting next to Eric Gilbert, who uh, does Treefort, mm-hmm. and his computer was open and it was open to his email. And I was just watching it ding, 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 one after another, all bands email. Oh, wow. It's, and it's, he's getting literally one a second. Dang. And it never lets up. Eric, if you're watching this, thanks for emailing me back. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> and it's amazing. I can email Eric and he gets back with me. I don't e I don't know how he does it. The guy must not sleep. Yeah. yeah. That's that's it's kind of interesting what you're bringing up too, because it seems like uh there's a lot of non musical work related to what you do. Yeah. What do yeah. what percentage of the time are you working on music when it comes to Afrosonics and what percentage of the time you're working on administrative? I'm, I'm going to go 50-50. Dang. Yeah, cuz uh, those follow, you know, emails if they, if they don't know you, they're probably not going to respond to you that first time. You're going to be one of the 75 emails that came in the, the last hour. So, uh you just got to you just got to kind of keep putting it in there. And then if you get a little bite, you got to follow up and uh, you do that. That's in addition to setting up recording sessions and thinking about artwork and videos. And uh, I mean, there's just uh, yeah, there's so much of it. What do you usually do for for your artwork and and getting that um, other creative yeah, processes done? Dio, uh, uh, lead singer, he has he's part of a group called Global Lounge, and they're they're responsible for putting together like the World Village Festival that happens. And oh, okay. They, they also is that the one that happened just at, in front of the Capitol building? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I so, went to that. That was super slick. Right. That's their that's their sort of signature event. Good and food too. Really good food. <laughs> they're also responsible. They put a lot of sort of uh, multicultural type programs in schools. And for instance, uh, Dial and a couple drummers will go into a school and spend like a week teaching kids about drumming. Uh, oh, nice! You know, so, the, like an hour a day, they bring a class in and they'll teach them drumming. So they administer programs like that. Uh, that's kind of what Global Lounge does. And so, so the, you get some artwork. From oh, some oh, of right, people. right. So, yeah. yeah. So there's a network of people that are involved with Global Lounge, and so you know, actors, dancers, artists, and things like that okay. that we can kind of draw upon for that. And, um, yeah. So that that's usually our go-to. We're pulling people out of other disciplines that we need, you know, like video. Like we're just about to shoot a video with Ryan Bain. I don't know if you know Ryan Bain, Gregory Bain. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Bain is his brother. He's been doing amazing work with uh, music videos. So um, we're going to be doing that in a couple weeks. Oh, music videos are fun. Yeah. Music videos are super fun. Yeah. The reason I like them is because you don't have to worry about all the audio issues that end up coming uh, out <laughs> in the woodwork when you're exactly. tr- trying to record people live. <laughs> Drives me bananas. Yeah. But uh, that's cool. Which which uh, song are you going to do a video for? Uh, it's a brand new song. It's called Joe Baba. Okay. And uh, I think it's a pretty fun concept. The Joe Baba, the lyrics are about, uh, essentially, it's just uh, it's kind of a party thing. Mom is... Mom is rocking it. Dad's rocking it too. You know, Joe Baba is uh, Joe Baba. Joe, Mama Cosa. Yeah, Joe Baba is like dad. Mama is mom, and and so I think we have a fun concept where we're gonna have a couple of at the beginning of the video you see people who are like older folks. Mm-hmm. You know, 60s, 70s kind of older folks, and you know they're getting ready to to go somewhere, 
and they're kind of slow, you know, slow moving. And you see them working their way to a place, and the place where they eventually end up is this house party where Afrosonics are playing. And as soon as they get to that house party, they just start busting crazy moves. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, right so on. we got a couple of really great dancers who, will, you know, you were, at the beginning of it, you'll think they're old people, and then they get to the party, and and uh, you know, and of course the 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 shots of them moving will kind of be kind of grayish and everything, and the party will be very colorful and bright. Oh, cool. Um, so yeah, that's the concept uh, in a in a nutshell. And then are you gonna just are you throwing that on YouTube then, or what, yeah. what's the plan? Yeah, we'll just get it on YouTube. It's just a it's a way for people to hear a new song, kind of kind of see what we're about. Yeah. I mean, uh, we haven't done a proper video. We have lots of live videos and, you know, a couple of pretty good live videos that we did multi-camera, but... Oh, okay. Uh, you know, everyone has a video these days. A, a kid in South Dakota forms a band. They've got a video before they have a song out, it seems yeah. like, these days, so... Yeah, the, that, that's yeah, that's another aspect that's that's changing so quickly. Um, like, my brother and I, when we when we just started with with the film stuff it's even gotten cheaper like in the last like seven years yeah to be able to crank some of that stuff out yeah you and know it's quality it's super high quality yeah. on some of the images i mean you know like we were before the the um smartphones became super popular and the cameras got so good on those but yeah. it's just like you can um uh, you can film on an iphone right and, it, and it'll look completely 100 <laughs> percent okay to yeah. for most for most purposes sure. you know i mean obviously like the cinematic stuff but even some of that stuff is getting so cheap right now uh the only issue is hard drive space it's just right and processing power yeah, yeah so much hard drive space so much processing power uh, so what location are you going to be filming um uh, a former percussionist for the band, uh, his name is Ben Persley. He has a he has a pretty big, nice house that's really perfect for the party scene mm -hmm. that we want to do. And then we just need to kind of find another. We want to find a house that's maybe out towards the desert, so you okay. see the sort of you know open space and you know this time of year how it's kind of gray. Yeah, and so so we just contrast those two things do you have a bunch of people ready to show up on yeah that we have too? about 30 people oh cool yeah to make make it look like there's a good party going uh, that'll be fun yeah that'll be fun so when you when you recorded your uh live video i'm curious about that that's kind of one of the things that uh uh my brother and i have talked about uh, a lot is um i just i get really inspired by some of those live very well done live uh recordings you know, um, obviously, like there's Woodstock '69. I don't know. Oh if, yeah. You know, and then uh, Talking Heads "Stop Making Sense" was one of my so one of the best movies. Yeah. Best concert movies ever. Yeah. What What did you guys have set up? And well, we did one. We uh, we did one at the Audio Lab, uh, just set up sort of a live in the studio thing. Oh, okay. So so that was great. So the audio. I mean, we we used the audio of us playing live. We didn't. Oh, you know. Oh, nice. So we actually hooked everything up and played okay. live in the studio, and then did, did a multi-camera thing. And that's, I think, currently that's our best-looking video that we have right now. And then the, we have another one that was live. Uh, the, the Village, you know, during the summer, The Village mm. does those outdoor concerts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there was a multi-camera shoot of that that turned out really, really nice. And then just recently, we did a gig at Nectar in Seattle, and there was a multi-camera shoot that came together pretty nice for that live. I suppose the, the audio is, is a big one too. You gotta the make sure audio, that the venue yeah. has the right. Yeah. Well, that, for instance, the one at Nectar, it's just, it's camera audio. So oh, okay. It's, it's, it's not, it's not horrible, but it's, it's not ideal either. 
Yeah. Well, there, there's all there's other ways to get pretty decent live sound out of the out of the speakers. Um, but uh, that the soundboard patch is just like that's the best. Yeah. I'm I'm go- I really would want to take uh like the setup I have in here with the the sound um, deadeners. I really want to set that. I have another spare room and I want to get that set up because I have a Mackie mixing board that I'm not really using that has multi-channel. Nice. And so hopefully by the next time you come back on i don't know if i can get nine people into a room <laughs> this size but i'd really like to be yeah. able to do some some live recordings inside of a room that'd be and great get, get super high quality audio out of that right. um i just i'm just i just do need some maybe need some sponsors oh yeah yeah sponsors <laughs> give me some get sponsors and then uh, i can invest in a i don't know like an electronic drum set do you think musicians would be interested in that if Absolutely. i if i had an electronic drum set it's just it'd just be the the logistics of playing in a tiny little room but npr does yeah, they do their the, tiny desk concerts. Uh, yeah. And you know, most most bands I, they practice in a room this size. They're used to it. Oh, really? You know, most bands cram into a bedroom or something I suppose. like that. You know, even if you rent out the hive, you know, unless or, you know, a rehearsal space or something, unless you get the couple of big rooms, you're still going to cram into a space this size. We're pretty used to it. Play it live on Radio Boise. Yeah, their studios not much bigger in this bedroom. Oh, okay. live. So, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. Good to know. Yeah, it'd be kind of cool. The only thing would be the camera angles. I might have to get some some fisheye lenses so that I can get everybody <laughs> yeah. everybody in the shot. We would come with just like maybe three or four of us or something. All <laughs> right. Yeah. No, nah, it did have to be all nine. I'd want oh, to have okay. the whole. I'd sure. like to have. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. Do it. It's it's a long time. Not actually not too distant in the future. I don't I don't think it's just yeah. it's just a matter of picking up that that drum set because. And I'd love to have one anyway. Sure, they're fun. Drums are. Have you uh, messed around on electronic? Oh yeah, drums? I have an electronic drum set at my house. Oh okay. What do you have? A Yamaha. What is it? It's something I bought used from a friend of mine. I can't remember the model number. Okay. Uh, is it is it okay to get a cheap one now? I imagine that they're probably fine because I yeah. see them online for like three hundred bucks. I'm like, are these any good? Because uh, the first the first one I ever messed around with was like it was I'd say a good fifteen years ago. And it was and it was oh, a budget one, yeah. and it was not anything that you wanted to have. Of course, they're well, well beyond that. Now. The main thing is just, and especially with sounds, it used to be okay. Maybe I got these great pads, but the module with the sounds oh, doesn't yeah. have the greatest sounds. But now, you have access to every sound. You know, it's so easy to come up with any sound. Now it's just more: is the are the pads quality? Can the pads take being hit over and over and over? Oh, okay, and, and uh, still last. And they come up with those new pads that are cool that have like a real drum head. So if yeah, you're a real I saw drummer, like the mesh. Yeah, and you get the right sort of bounce and everything that you're used to. So it doesn't feel as rubbery. Right. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that'd be slick. Yeah, I love music. And I was going to ask you too. I, I, we're kind of bouncing around a little bit, but that's okay. Um, about the about playing in front of people, and uh, this is an idea I came up with just last week: is the extroverted versus the introverted musician mm-hmm. where you find where you find your drive as far as as playing yeah. music whether it's how much of it is sitting and getting that idea that you're able to execute <laughs> and how much of it is versus playing in front of a crowd and then really getting that that feedback in the moment yeah i think yeah we've had this discussion about the introverts versus extrovert i feel i feel like a lot of musicians are pretty introverted with in their personality but they have they have something to say. They have something they want to express to people and this and that. And the the stage is a place they can do that without having to sort of interact so directly. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's the way I feel about, you know, because I feel like I'm kind of introverted. 
But uh, yeah, I can definitely get my thoughts across if I have an instrument and I have a microphone. And honestly, I feel much safer up on stage in my space than mm-hmm. being out in the audience. You know? And what's uh, your favorite? What, what's your favorite part as far as like the musical uh, process? Coming up with the idea, which one, which do you enjoy more, playing in front of the crowd, sharing that, or that aha mm-hmm. moment when you got something really good that you that you nailed? I guess you yeah. don't have to have a favorite. But. Yeah, I, I think it's it's such different things because uh, when you're writing the stuff, man, it feels good when you hit upon this idea and you, you get it all put together and you just listen to it back on the headphones. You're like, man, I love this. I absolutely love this. That is. That's that's a moment that you have by yourself. I mean, when you just that moment of creation, we feel like, man, I've really really come up with something good. Can't wait till the band gets a hold, of whatever. Uh, and then I feel like, man, from the stage, there's nothing more gratifying than being on stage and hearing, especially seeing or hearing the crowd singing your song back to you. Oh, that's cool. that's the point where it just it's so obviously has sunk in yeah you know these that would be awesome yeah that would be super awesome i couldn't i mean i've had i've played in groups where the people have sang along with the songs but we were covering it so everybody knew exactly what was happening right right (laughs) but when they're when they're doing it with your song you know and then you're like okay that person took the time to listen to this enough times they've got these lyrics now committed to memory and now here we are vibing on this thing you know it's like Con- the the circuit is complete. I've made this connection to, to that person. That feels amazing. And it's a totally different than the sort of solitary feeling that you have of feeling like, I like this thing I just created, think it's really good. But uh, when you get that validation from the, the, the audience. Is there a song that you all wrote that tends to kind of get that response more frequently than others? Um, uh, not one that stands out in my mind. Okay. Uh, I, I I guess one thing about uh, related to that subject that stands out in my mind. I really love it when we'll do a song like "I Emojiba," which is not even English, and yet you know we got these folks uh, up here out in the wilds of Idaho singing <laughs> in Yoruba. You yeah. know that that feels extra amazing. Yeah, and uh, that feels like wow. You know we did our job right. We made it catchy enough and repetitive enough for it to sink in or whatever. Uh, so now they're singing something that's not even their language and they're loving it and we're loving it. Everyone's loving it. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the words are. (laughs) No, no. It's, it's more about just feeling what the vibe of the words is. Um, and, and yeah, it feels good that they can feel that even though they're, we're using sounds and syllables that they've never ever put together like in that same way before. So, so you have uh, meet your people. Uh, people meet your people. Mm-hmm. Is there any other albums that Afrosonics has? We have uh, we have a first album, just Afro self titled Afrosonics. Uh, okay, and so that should be up on all the outlets, the iTunes okay. and Spotify. Okay, and maybe that. I missed that one on Spotify. I try. I tend to be an album oriented person, so maybe it was I just didn't get. I got I got into People Meet Your People because that oh, okay. first track it just like hooked me. Oh good. So, <laughs> started replaying that one over and over yeah. again. I'm with you, man. I'm super album oriented too. I like to listen to the album the way they you know the songs in the order that they made them and you know I feel that all that works together as the one thing. So I want to hear it the way the artist meant for it to go. And the the really good artists do have that cohesion throughout yeah. the entire thing and i was going to ask you that too five desert island albums if you what are your five what okay. are your five top that you can't do without i have to and pick, how does that inspire your music yeah. with afrosonics 
Well, I have to pick one Prince album, but he has so many and they're all so good. Yeah. Yeah. That's... Just to narrow it down to one. Uh, I think I would, um, I think I would pick the one. I think it was just the unofficial title. It was New Power Generation, but when you bought the CD case, it had you know the symbol that he changed his name oh, to. Oh, okay. It had that symbol etched into the CD case, and that was sort of the title of the album. Do you know the reason why he did that? Yeah, why yeah, he changed, because of the record, right? Yeah, because he felt the record label was screwing him over, and you know, and using his name. Yeah, the, the, I, th- the I thought that was slave on his face, all that stuff, and people thought he was crazy. No, but it was really brilliant that he did was. that. It really was, and. And he and he really was getting jerked around, you know. He's there's a guy who's cranking out, you know, music that's going to be with us for a long, long, long time to come. Some of those songs, yeah. And uh, you know, the record company's making eighty percent of the money, and he's making twenty. Something's wrong with that. Yeah. You know? The the uh, I was listening to a really interesting podcast with uh, Billy Corgan of Smashing Pumpkins, and he was talking about the whole, um, you know, back 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 in the day, and um, so he would have been signed, I think. Probably early '90s, I'm guessing. Yeah. But then he says that you know you're 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 basically on contract for your entire musical career, and they signed the they signed him so young, right? That they just wouldn't even understand. They just saw the millions of dollars. But then you go go in five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten albums, and all of a sudden you're bigger than you know that cut is not. Yep, as big. And that and and you're smarter and you're wiser and you've uh, you know you've seen yourself you know. Hopping those planes and sitting on those buses and doing the shows and the interviews and all that stuff, which, you know, when you're doing it for days on end, it gets really grueling. And then you're like, this other dude's sitting in an office somewhere, uh, you know, working nine to five and then going and doing coke and banging models after that. Why is that guy getting 80% of the money that my band is generating? Yeah. Something seems wrong with this picture. You, yeah. It's just kind of a holdover from the early days of record companies, you know, going back to Elvis and, uh, you know, even before that, Chuck Berry, people, just guys out there, they found talented guys playing music and yeah, ding, 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 this clicks with little girls. I think we can make money off this. And yeah. And if we make a million dollars and we give Elvis $100,000, he's going to be stoked. Because mm-hmm. you know he, a guy like who came from nothing, he's going to be stoked, and he just doesn't have to know about the other nine hundred thousand dollars that I put in my pocket. I think it's that that bandwidth and the airwaves that everybody just had a had a stranglehold on, and now that that's gone, I mean, it started with Napster, all of a sudden it just kind of pulled the rug out from underneath it, and the same thing's happening with video and YouTube, yeah. and it just uh, it did, and it really you know it the, right Napster was the beginning of the end for record companies as we know them, and but. Maybe they should have died. I don't, you know, they weren't really serving artists. So maybe they should have gone the way that most of them went. And, uh, you know, I like, I like the selection. I mean, yeah. it's unfortunate that it's difficult to make a, a living with your creative endeavors, but the selection is, is amazing. It is difficult. You as a musician will definitely have to work harder. You won't have, you know, a team of people uh, working for you, but you could be your own team, mm-hmm. you know? And it's, I think, I feel like it's more satisfying to sell a thousand albums on your own. That sense of accomplishment of like, man, I I made it. I put it mm-hmm. out there. I did all the things, and uh, you know, and a thousand of them moved in. Say, we we sold ten thousand albums because a bunch of suits came in and retooled our songs and made them into more radio friendly and uh, and that sort of thing. And that's why they sold t- those ten thousand albums. Is kind of a hollow victory, you know? Yeah. 
It's when so. you get the when you get the uh, consensus, yeah, and then everything gets muddled. And uh, yeah, we were, we were talking about your albums, though. You picked Prince. That's one out of yes, five. right. Yeah. Prince. Uh, so I think I'd go with that one just because it's uh, that. No, no, I'm gonna go with Sign of the Times because it's a double album, so that I have that much more Prince to listen to. <laughs> there you go. That's good. Um, Efficient. See, I would say like Tom Waits, Swordfish Trombones. That would probably be the one of his I would take. Um, Muse. Black Holes and Revelations, that's an album that I just keep coming back to, and every time I put it on, it just... I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah. Muse? Are you familiar with the band Muse? No. Oh. God. How, do, how did I miss that? Uh, look up Muse. They're Muse. massive. They're a huge band. Okay. Uh, and let's see. What, uh, this is probably super cliche, but Rush Moving Pictures... You know, okay. I know Rush has a ton of other great albums. He's a huge Rush fan, but Moving Pictures is their biggest one, but that's probably the one I would take because it's just so great. And then something, let's see. Probably want to take uh, some... Let, let's come back to that. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm trying to think of a... a Rush kind of seems like an outlier on that group, <laughs> although I don't know, like I said, I don't know Muse, but that uh, seems... Uh, Muse has a little bit of Rush in them. Okay. Uh, you know, they're a power trio, that very rock-oriented, but just, man, you know, so musical, so crazy musical that, uh, yeah, but but catchy mm-hmm. still in the same way. Every every uh, I bet I bet probably once a year I go back I go down the rabbit hole of Neil Peart uh, drum solos on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> they're so engrossing. They're they're they're. Uh, I was actually talking to to somebody about. Uh, are you familiar with the band Deerhoof? Oh yeah, I love them. Okay, it's it's it was really interesting when I saw them play. Um, and then because that drummer to me is absolutely incredible, but he has like the inverse setup of a Neil Peart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gilbert has like a, a, I think does I think there's one where he was literally spinning in a circle. Yeah, but maybe. I, yeah, because the drum set surrounded him uh, completely. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and 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 the gentleman from Deerhoof has I think two cymbals, a snare, and a bass drum. Yeah, but I love how missing. he does yeah. a lot with a little. You know? Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's it's pretty nuts. But yeah, uh, yeah, those those drum. I I love a good drum solo. I love a good drum solo. Yeah. My favorite one of all time is uh, Woodstock, '69. Uh, Carlos Santana, he's got that little kid okay. on the drums. Do you know the one I'm talking no. about? Uh-uh. Um, uh, uh, what uh, was it? Oye Como Va? Um, I don't know. Anyway, but he goes into like this this like ten, five ten minute uh, drum solo after after Carlos Santana totally shreds, and <laughs> and nice. it's just it's just this, and he's just a kid, but he's lightning quick, but still has that that sense of a uh, real good sense of rhythm. It has like a real good uh, downbeat on what he's playing and improvising over the top of it. But yeah. wow. Yeah, such a. You're the first person I've talked to that knows that goes that deep on drum solos. <laughs> okay, <laughs> mostly you know, drum solos are like, oh, it's time to go get a beer, or time, you know, it's time to light up this doobie, <laughs> zone out until the music starts again. <laughs> I I like drum solos a That's lot, cool. and I think I think it's they're one of the most difficult to make it interesting. It's, yeah. Yeah, it you is. know, because you don't see a lot. I mean, guitar solos are almost a, a dime a dozen, you mm-hmm. know. But that's, uh, that, I think that's, I mean, that's the reason why I picked up a guitar yeah. because I saw uh, um, uh, Steve uh, Ray Vaughan, and I'm like, I have to be able to do this in front of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Never hit that level, but at the same time, sure. it's like that's the most motivating aspect, you know. And then drums, uh, you know, I just. 
it's it's tough. Yeah, it's tough. I've picked up sticks a couple times and and just to get that coordination down, and then imagining yeah. like all the different time signatures, and some people can keep the different time signatures in their heads with different limbs, and I'm just like that is absolutely incredible right. when you see right a drummer doing polyrhythms with his yeah. left hand and his right hand and it's like how are those things working together that way it's amazing yeah i i just discovered uh the importance of polyrhythms in making a song interesting mm-hmm. like a couple of years ago and you guys definitely do that with your yeah with your music you have so many things layered in there and i can definitely hear a lot of the three you do a lot of the three four like mm-hmm. makes it kind of gives it that that sure. shuffly vibe over the top of the normal time signature, but right, yeah, yeah. The 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 beat they call it clave, you know, and our, okay. we use it a lot in the music. Where it's just like rather than music feeling like one, two, three, four, one, you know, it's just like ta 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 ta. It's all kind of built around that clave, you know, three and two. Yeah, one, two, three, one, two, one, two, three, one, two. So and then it gives yeah you you immediately just zero right in on it yeah 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 people people all over the world i think there's something natural about the clave rhythm i think there's something built into us that gravitates towards that i'm not sure what it is but yeah there's a have you ever seen that uh that uh there's a video with bobby mcferrin it's not about uh a yes rhythm but he shows that that if about you just, pitch yeah about pitch how he yes everybody has it ingrained in them across culture that you know these notes when he yeah, because he's doing, he's jumping back and forth and having sing, you know, the taunting note, la, and then he goes up, la, 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 and he's jumping back and forth. And then he jumps to a third spot and the whole audience automatically goes, la. They, yeah. They move to the next note. Everybody moves to the same note. How did everybody instinctually know to do that? That video is amazing. I've done that in front of audiences before just oh, really? to see if it would work. Oh, that's cool. And it works. That there's a the thing is a five tone scale called the pentatonic scale that it's just okay. you know the, which is that the thing that whole Bobby McFerrin thing is built around because you know he keeps going through the bit he ends up going through five notes without telling you where he's going just by moving his body in position and everybody just instinctively knew to sing these notes it's uh, yeah that pentatonic scale is somehow built into us yeah I I I was curious about the the eastern music too because apparently they have more notes in their scale and so i i've 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 tried to mess with that a little (laughs) bit but that was just way beyond my level of comprehension musically to be able to throw in those those intermediate notes that i don't know i it's almost like you'd have to be raised around that type of music to be able to hear it it helps it helps if you have come up hearing these you know music based on these scales all the time yeah Yeah. have you have you delved into any of that i know that there's there are specific stringed instruments that come out of like india that where they have those partial notes right on the fretboards exactly and just the way yeah the instrument sort of helps define the scale because of the way your hand you know your hand sort of naturally does this thing and then uh then this particular scale comes out of that hand position. And so uh, sometimes, you know, the instrument itself can dictate what the scale is just because it's natural. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what my point was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the inter- intermediate notes. Yeah, yeah. You know, just the... Right. And so they'll they'll choose... Yeah, they'll choose different scales rather than... The, the ones we use in Western music, which are very much just in a row, la, 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 you know, mm-hmm. um, they'll, they'll go crazy, you know, grouping a 
bunch of notes together at the bottom and then making a big leap and grouping some notes together at the top and making that a scale or, or whatever. I mean, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's infinite possibilities. I'm, literally. I'm super curious about it, but <laughs> I, I just can't, I could never grab my ear around it. I feel like I, if I got too deep into explaining it, that people would be switching this off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll maybe do a follow up podcast, just yeah. technical, right? If people want to yeah. listen to you guy talk it. music theory, I'd hey, love it. I I'll think YouTube. It. I think it's the tutorial videos anyway that get most of the hits. <laughs> That's so. true. That's true. <laughs> you can just we can just put an addendum, an appendix on this one, and we'll yeah. go into a tutorial about about musical theory. That's that's one area I, I uh, wish I knew more about because uh, now getting having a keyboard in front of me, um, translating those things from my head onto the keyboard. It's 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 it would be helpful to know some of the theory behind sure. it. You know, right. But, and theory is super helpful, especially when you're in a group, because then way if you all know theory, you can all speak the same language. It's really easy to describe. You know, if if you're trying to describe a melody or something to someone who doesn't know theory, you know, you have to you know play it for them or plunk it out. Mm. But it's so much easier to just be like, hey, you know, start on C, play whole step, whole step, half step, end on F or something like that. You oh know? yeah, and then I bet. just knows exactly what you're talking. about. There's a quote from Victor Wooten, and he said that if you don't know music theory, it's like being fluent in a language without being able to read and write. It kind of is. Yeah, that's a that's a well that's a well placed quote. Um, do you? Oh, I was gonna uh, I was gonna wrap up the desert island. Yes, bit. yes. Uh, I just uh, my last one would probably probably something to represent my sort of punk goth background, like a you know a, a Bauhaus out maybe Cure pornography or cure kiss me kiss me kiss me is good or peter murphy he's one of my favorite uh, the old lead singer for bauhaus his album deep is an album that if i hear one cut i gotta hear the whole thing you know Mm. just because i love it so much yeah i'll I'll go that one that'll be my last one peter murphy deep peter murphy deep i need to write that one down too (laughs) because great album peter murphy deep because i have i'm not familiar with that one but i always like to i like to get uh new music as much as possible sure because i was i was listening to uh or actually i was reading an article um because spotify has all the data yeah about their listeners and at the after the age of 30 i think it was like 32 most people quit listening to new music yeah it's kind of sad isn't it i was i was 33 when i read that article and i noticed i was kind of in a rut as far as like my playlist going over the same things that i had listened to when i was in high school and i'm like that's that's it i'm doing i'm these are all i'm wiping these out and then we're going with all new stuff so that's good i went on a went on a raft trip with a couple of friends one of them happened to be from high school and i hadn't uh i hadn't talked to him that much since high school so it'd been like 30 years since i'd seen him but listening to tunes on this raft trip was like Dude, you haven't listened to a new song since 1984. <laughs> You're listening to all the same songs we used to listen to in high school. Not one single new one. And he's perfectly happy living right there. It's, it's yeah. like, I got all the music I need. Fine with it. I don't need to. There's so much good stuff out there now, oh, though. And, and it's just, uh, yeah. A, I mean, you know, infinite content. But um, it's it's nice and it's refreshing and there's a lot of groups. Um, I mean, you listen to Afrosonics, you guys are doing something very unique with your sound. Um, and there are countless musicians out there that are doing really interesting things that are, it's, it's the difference, Oh, yeah. you know, and it's not that, that mainstream, you know, that I always think of 
what country music did to country as like being the epitome of like, let's just make it as popular as possible and hit all the right notes and follow the same chord structure. And, and, uh, there's actually, there's an, uh, a video online where this, this guy makes an amalgam of all the top country songs. He plays six country songs at the same time and and you can't tell that there's six songs playing. Yeah. It's all, it sounds like all the same thing. So, uh, but, but, uh, with all the, all these bands out there creating music, there's just so much, so much interesting sound out there and novelty which i appreciate so much so to be yeah to be stuck in a musical rut especially when something like spotify exists there's just no excuse yeah (laughs) or youtube you just start clicking and then it's then then they start they keep playing you the next the next song next song next song it's super awesome um i love you know that's uh i the best thing that the thing that i think tree fort music festival has over any other music festival. Oh, we forgot to even talk about Treefort yeah, too much. I, know. I guess we talked about your set last year. Do you, we did. Do yeah. you, um, you'll have to, I'm guessing you guys don't have your, your situation figured out as yeah, far as we the times know. yet because it's still know. pretty early. It's a little early in the game yet. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, that'll, that'll be coming pretty soon. They still have to announce the last round of artists, I think. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, there there will be people I talk to and, and then say, well, um, you know, I don't really recognize any of these, you know, the headliners or anything. It's like, stop. Throw that away. Mm-hmm. Throw the record. You know, this is not a festival where you go to see Beyonce or something. This no. is a festival where you go to discover. Uh, I love to have no agenda. I just mm-hmm. love to start walking in every door where there's music and seeing if there's something I like. And every year, I come up with at least a half a dozen things that just blow my mind. That I never yes. would have found out otherwise. Um, yeah. And I can't pronounce that. I caught a new act last year. It was Namadi Umba. I forget his name now. It's really hard to pronounce. But I walked. I wasn't even planning on on uh, going to the show. Um, just happened to walk by, you know, because you're going down the street. Doors are open. You hear music. You're like, this is a band I want to check out. Yeah. And it's it's incredible. I just I just wish that the city of Boise would let the the main stage stay open later. At least one more hour. Come yeah, on. Yeah, it would be so just helpful. One more hour because Cora Shrine at the end of the night is absolutely atrocious you know you can't you can't get <laughs> you can't in get in yeah. you know and so it's kind of like one of those things do i do i miss one of the shows that i want to see on the main stage so i can wait in line for the later show at the chorus shrine or do yeah. i do you just but oh, there's so much music though yeah. it's amazing it's an amazing event oh uh, yeah i love like last year just walking down the street uh just saw an acquaintance and he's Hey, where are you headed? Oh, we're going to go over to Linden Building and see Andy Rayborn. Andy Rayborn is a local guy who plays bass clarinet. Oh. Like, All right. That sounds interesting. So he had bass clarinet, a keyboard that he didn't use very much, a looping pedal, and then a 12, 13-piece choir. Oh. And <laughs> he Dang. made music so astonishingly beautiful. Like, there were times I just couldn't move. It was one of the most unbelievable things i'd ever seen i'm like that is that to me is the consummate tree fort experience you know what's what's one of your favorite shows you've ever attended favorite concerts uh, let's see the yeah andy rayborn uh, that's that's an obvious one there's um the band oh <laughs> i'm losing my point by not remembering their name uh just a band i saw at the bouquet and i remember they had a great story because they had had a car wreck on the way there yet they still made it and they came and they just gave everything to their set. Oh boy, I feel horrible for not. <laughs> we can put it into the description. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite tree fort experiences is there's a guy that, uh, uh, you know, we we know uh, a number of people in the New American community, and there's this guy Elvis, 
It's his real given name is Elvis Muenamitale is his last name. And he played a set. Elvis's story is unbelievable. He grew up in the Congo in a little village. And he said he just, you know, sitting in his village, living an ideal life. And his mother comes running into the village and just picks him up and says, run. You know, that's all she said was run. And they started running. And he said they ran literally for two days straight. You know, not oh, stopping dang. to eat. You no, know, they just had to run. And his grandfather ended up getting killed in front of him. I think he had a cousin who got killed. He ended uh, up getting separated from his son and put into a camp. And all. I mean, so just the point being, this guy <coughs> lived, <coughs> excuse me, oh, sorry. <laughs> this guy lived a life none of us can imagine yeah. what it was like. The things that he has been through, we just cannot possibly imagine. And he came... Treeford, he's only been here in the States for about four years. Mm. And it, he played up at the reef and just simply exploded the reef with joy. Like uh. the walls could not contain the joy that was coming off the stage from this guy. And uh, which just blows my mind, you know, because you just think of someone <clears throat> who comes from a background like that is yeah. just going to be bitter and angry and withdrawn and everything. But no, he just... You know, he serves up a heap and help and a joy and appreciates what yeah. we take for granted. Man, and I walked out of there, I just was walking on air, I was feeling so good. And I went next door to Grainy's and I saw this band and they had like a nice Mercedes van parked in front of there. So a really nice touring van. You go in and they had a, all these guitars up on stage, nice brand new stuff. And uh but a bunch of young kids just got up there and was like, what? Everything sucks. I hate everything. Ah, you know? And I'm like, oh, this is horrible. What is wrong with these kids? You have everything. Why are you singing about how everything sucks? Elvis was went through so much and he just blew a room up with joy. That is, you know, that's another great Tree Fort experience. That's cool. Yeah. That's it's that's what I look for when I go there. I've uh yeah, since since moving to Boise. Um, I'm originally from South Dakota. Since moving to Boise, I've had really amazing concert experiences. Like yeah. the music community here is super solid. Yep. Um, and then uh, just some of the acts that come through to like uh, the Knitting Factory, which I consider pretty, you know, it's a pretty small venue, yeah. especially, you know, uh, but then some of the, the groups that come through and play it, it's like, wow, this seems like it feels intimate. Right. Well, yeah. A lot of those artists, when they play in Seattle, they're playing a 5,000 seat room or something mm -hmm. and you get to see them in a 900 seat room. That's yeah. amazing. Super fun. Um, so we're at an hour. I was going to okay. have you uh, end on a uh, question. One of my friends, uh, I call him the Abyss. His name's okay. Wes. He comes up with some off the wall questions. All right. So um, if you were gifted a giant warehouse... What would you do with it? Oh, man. Okay. Well, it's going to be video studio, okay. rehearsal studio, um, uh, probably a living space. You know, I would, like, if it was mine, I would build me a, a living space and just live there. Yeah. I, I, just, just an all-around art studio. Music, dance, acting, video, ceramics. Whatever, I would just cram it full of art stuff. And a bed you know? and maybe a toilet in the corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because that's, you know, yeah, I, I feel like those are the things I need to survive much more so than a 50-inch 
green TV and a nice couch or something. Mm -hmm. I would just to have this warehouse full of arts and whatever, whatever sort of artistic discipline I'm feeling that day, I can walk over to a computer and start working on my graphic design, which I know nothing about, but you know, Photoshop is sitting here and I'm going to tinker with it for a while. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that would be, that would be the ultimate. Cool. Yeah. And then I just have great parties, you know, <laughs> bring all my artist friends over there and have start with parties. start with a big opening party. Yeah. That'd be a good one. Totally do that. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on, Todd. Thanks for having me. This was a blast. Yeah. I love it. And uh, to hear it. We'll be in touch. All right. And good luck at Tree Fort. Thank you. Salutations to you, mothers and fathers. Through music comes the hope and path to heaven. Through song comes the fellowship to the rhythm of life. Raise your voice and sing.
Sure.